and welcome back to the Improv Teachers. Today is a special episode. We do a deep dive with Max McCall. Max McCall is the founder of Endgames Improv and a previous guest of this show. You can find him and all the information about Endgames on their website out there on the web. They are located in San Francisco about our coaching, about Slacker, and about improv in general. And hopefully you guys will get a lot out of it too. It was a great conversation. We never found a true ending so because uh, we set going on tangents left and right. So that was kind of a fun, interesting thing. So we kind of just I found what I felt to be the best bow possible on this episode. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. And as always, thanks so much for listening to the Improv Teachers. When did you like when did you learn Slacker? You know, it's a weird one because like I'm not even sure if it's. I remember, I remember seeing a team do it at a festival somewhere, but they were doing like, they called it a memento slacker. So they were also doing the scenes in reverse chronological order. Like, so every scene took place before the previous scene. And I, that was the first time I had like the impetus to look up the form and figure out what it is. That's, that is actually a crazy, like that takes patience and practice to do that and listening i would bet that if i rewatched that set that they didn't do very well at like, <laughs> making it actually make sense <laughs> <laughs> i mean good for them for trying to come up with something uh different so did you have to like train a team or did you have people who already well i think it, i think people are generally familiar with it as one of the like five or six canonical forms you know it's like what do you, what, like when we do classes here, we teach Harold, obviously we teach Armando and we teach a couple slightly different montages, like one with an opening, one with an organic opening and one with like a sort of pseudo structured, you have to do three, two person scenes at the top kind of thing. Okay. Do you guys teach, um, pretty flower at all? No, but we perform it. My team does that. Okay. Do you guys teach living room and road trip or any of those or? We teach the living room opening in level one. Um, I think some of the teachers might do a road trip type, type thing. Um, there's actually like a group on our stage who does a living room that's a, a pretend book club meeting where they get the title of a book and they use that to kick off their show. It's really funny. They're called Damn It Carol and they call their show It's Lit, which is very clever. Oh, that's very cute. Uh we had a fun one once where um, we were selling Cutco knives. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think other than that, like there's, there's not, there's not a ton of forms that people do with regularity. Like uh, um, there's Laurent, obviously there's uh, tons of Armando stuff here. That's very popular. But then again, like our most popular show has been that for seven years. So well, and that's also easy because you can, right? if you need to, like go premise-based and hit a bunch of things and make it accessible to an audience where some of the other things are not necessarily as accessible um, and it takes some training of them. Okay, so did you just like throw it out there like, hey, I want to do a slacker team or did you have people come to you? So it's actually, for ours, it's actually the second half of a show and the first half is Armando. And so my show has been going for seven years and... Uh, I think like for the first um, three or four years, we were literally just doing two interviews and two Armando type shows. And then when we got kind of bored of that, 
It was like, how are we going to get something more interesting going on? How are we going to put a, uh, uh, something organic in there? And we settled on pretty flowers. So then when I started the second team, we now do the show twice every Friday, the nine o'clock team, I coach and direct that show. And so they're, their second half, like I didn't want to do the same thing. And we settled on a slacker eventually. Cause I think just like the group energy demanded it. Um, so how do you define, so this I think will be interesting for both of us. Uh, how do you define what, yeah, what the slack, what, what is needed for group energy for slacker? Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, so let me, let me, let me level set. Um, Cause I've actually had people have a different definition of slacker than I do too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's get on the same page about what we're both doing then. Yes. I think it's probably the same, but like, you know, I've been surprised like to, to me, it just means there are going to be almost no or no sweep edits. We're going to do tags. Uh, I also am totally down for like tag both people out if we're inspired, but it's always like every scene is coming directly from the last scene. Uh, shockingly learned it from Paul. I know it shocks a lot of people out there. And, uh, and obviously Paul has been performing that for a long time with beer shark mice. So when, um, we decided to, uh, go ahead and, um, put a slacker team in place, Paul and I had a long conversation. And so, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, they beer shark mice actually does a hard edit sort of midway between their shows. It sort of starts a new one over if you will, but they're doing like a 45 minute set. Um, yeah. But they also, interestingly, actually have somewhat of a structured opening. So I took what he was saying and kind of made it our own. So what happens is A, B comes out. So person one and two or person A and B. B gets tagged. So now it's A, C. And then B tags back in. We're back to A, B. Then we see B, D. Back to A, B. And then from after that, from there on out, then it's just tag out, move to the next thing, tag out, move to the next thing. But he he... The reason why I think uh, they do it is it helps some ideation and it helps sort of ground them before, because as you know, that takes off, right? So I think it's it's like I am trying to do a lot of that stuff without a structure. But like what, for us, we talk a lot about um, either continuing a run with a single character, right? Which is one one kind of move versus that LaRonde energy where we now follow the other character, right? We kind of switch who we focus on and now we're following this person for a while. And the other thing I like to say is just like completely zag, like get both of them out of there and go to something that's inspired from that scene. That's totally new. And like I, I run exercises a lot where I put on a piece of paper, a bunch of strips of paper, like either uh, uh, continue the run, do a LaRonde type move or total zag and they have to like draw it out of a bowl before they edit uh and they don't know what kind of move they're going to make until they walk in that's actually really fun uh because then they can't plan which is even better um so yeah we i we had them doing where they could technically tag both out but they the team i have in place would use that as a way to get around not having to sweep at it so i yeah so i took it away for right now to force them to make strong decisions and really create characters. And I also, so like in rehearsal, if they do a, if they follow one character three times, I don't let them follow that character anymore. Just because I want them to be thinking about both characters being really strong. Yeah. 
Yeah, the thing that I, uh, I mean, so I don't have too much trouble with getting people to play characters on this team. It's like a very, they're very good at like making a choice and sticking to it, like finding something. I like to say finding something important to the character. Um, my my version of Paul is Jason Schatz, and <laughs> he'll always tell you something has to be important enough to your character that it's a flaw for them, right? That it, it will fuck them up and it will do bad stuff to their lives. Um, and so that's kind of the philosophy we've been coming from. And, and I could see them struggling with that a little bit in the um, premise-based stuff occasionally because the premise will get in the way and you kind of trip over it and they're all fucking amazing. But like, I think they needed the slacker in order to be able to just relax and chill and play with each other. And I think they're like instantly more happy doing that than the first half. I think it's Pete Holney who, when he explains slacker, will say it's like a tree. And so like that trunk is their opening and then everything else is a branch. But ideally it still works its way back down to like the end of that trunk um, where the roots are. So like, that's where they're hoping to, to land up. So it was, it was an interesting, like when he was explaining, I was like, oh, that's an interesting visual. Uh, at our curriculum, which is essentially intro to Harold's four and then five is like advanced techniques. Uh, we start teaching them what it means to be a, a teammate versus a student. And some more of the organic stuff, because I think there's a big difference between a student and someone who is getting ready to be on team. Well, so like we do, we do the, the, our primer for Harold is that montage I was mentioning where we require three two person scenes right at the top. Right. And in that course, we also teach second beats and we teach uh, tag outs and we teach um, a lot of side support stuff. And the idea is like, we're going to prepare you for the Herald. We're just not going to also bog you down with the organic stuff until level five. You know, do you, what, what made you want to do a slacker team? Is it uh, um, just to have a different form or is it a, like a specific thing about it that worked for that group? Uh, we essentially originally just had a bunch of Herald teams coming out and they, people just looked really sad as they were performing. <laughs> it's so hard to be good at the Herald. It's so, so hard it took us years to get to the point where we could even have like two Herald teams at once that other people could look at and be like, Oh, this does look cool. Right. So we have one and that's mine. (laughs) So, so people just, and, and, and then what happens is that, um, especially again, because we're a smaller market, they don't have other teams besides us to really look to. It's hard to keep working toward a goal that you can't see in your head. And we were just losing, like, people were just, you could see the frustration. And Harold requires strong editors and people willing to make initiations and people remembering and listening, like, all those things that Harold requires. And we just, and I I didn't want to have people, and because our market is mostly hobbyists, and we looked at the forms that, because um, we also had taught a forms class. So all these, everyone had been exposed to all these forms, all of our, our current, like, cast. And we looked, at, we looked at what we had, and we looked at forms, and I looked at, like, what would be fun that could be accessible on stage for a person who's never seen improv before. And uh, so Slacker is one of those that I feel is also accessible to the audience because it's like, oh, I get it. That person leaves. This person's still the same character and a new person enters. Okay, cool. One of the, so we decided we had we had a group of players because for me, we need, again, just like in Herald, you need people who are willing to edit and make strong initiations. And yeah, and so we have like this group of six that is what it is now 
that they're all pretty good at doing that, but they're also really good at taking the risk. And if it fails, not getting so deflated, deflated on stage that the rest, there's just that domino effect of like, I think that's the hardest thing about the Herald and the thing that makes forms like psycho or montage or maybe even Armando to a certain degree, like feel safer is that there's no pressure of this is one of the beat scenes. This is one of the scenes we're going to see again. And if I do a bad job, I'm going to feel like I have to come back to that bad scene in five minutes. Well, and, and so that's like, that's my, that's what I mean when I say like, let's totally zag on this scene in the, in the, slacker let's like this scene's not working but they mentioned this thing great we'll tag both of them out and now we're in this place that is drawn directly from it but doesn't have the baggage of like <laughs> it's a hard scene and i was gonna say and that's really important though that you have players which you probably do that are able to drop that baggage real quick if there's if there's something if there's something i want to work on with this team uh, uh and and honestly for me too it's just like remembering the stuff from earlier to bring it back because like um i don't, I don't know if a tree's the shape i'm th- thinking of but i think that was like a good metaphor for it it's like something's got to come back you can't it, you don't want it to be a line and that's so what i'm doing now so the first thing i had to work with my slacker team was one just getting them up and in shape for slacker, right? So like we made this change. So getting them to buy in that this is a good thing, getting excited that we shook things up and teams and also we shifted some people. So some people who have been working together a long time were no longer on the same team. And just sort of trusting that that this was a process and we're going to go through it, it'll be fine. So we got so we got there and then the first thing that we worked on was uh, in rehearsals really not letting them break form only so they can get everything in their bones so that everything else becomes reps and just auto, you know automatic um, but then for me it was clear initiations became our next because like I think like we were saying offline was on the surface slacker looks really easy to master and yeah and it's really not that complicated but as you start going through it you start realizing how crisp and specific and on point you've got to be when you come in. When I talk about tag outs, I often say that an initiation in a tag out is the same as an initiation from a premise. Like it's not a premise drawn from a monologue or something like that, but it is a premise drawn from the scene that we're currently watching. And you need to establish the context that's important enough to get the person there to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because that, that person, right. So, cause that person who's staying is sort of in that holding pattern of like, okay, I'm waiting on you bringing this. So my character can react. The other, the other thing I like to think about, and this is stolen straight from Jason shots too, is like, when you know what that character wants, when you know what's important to that character, when you understand their game, if you want to talk about it that way, like all you're trying to do is take that person to heaven or to hell. Like, you know, what's going to get a reaction out of them. And if you all play with that philosophy, I think whenever the tag in comes, you know that your job is just to react to that premise real strong. Cause that's what we're after. I was finding though, that one people be like, Oh, this is the edit for the scene. Right. So I got to get in there. So they would get in and then they would be a little muddy with what they were coming in with. And so then there'd be like sort of this on muddy grounds and and whatnot. So I was like, okay, well, that's not going to work. How do you, how do you 
teach people to deliver stronger premises to deliver better tag out initiations. So for me, that goes back to, so if you want to, so, all right, let's back up a little bit with lexicon and vernacular I use, because I also like big words, <laughs> uh, because if anything, improv should not be accessible to everybody. Um, <laughs> it's for the love of the art. <laughs> right. <laughs> so because we play, with the concept that it's relationship-based game-driven improv, meaning that our games are coming from the relationships and that, uh, and I'm not talking about like mom, dad, sister, brother, but like what is your big playable gift? What is your your character attribute? What is your big drive? So do you have a problem with authority? Do you always see the world as, you know, glass half full? So if we're always playing from that point, then one, the people in the scene before before you're going to tag out have to be so clear about what their game is so that they can... So so let's take the very first scene of Slacker, which is that A-B scene. Like, they get their niche, they get their, thank you so much for your whatever, and then they go, right? <laughs> Thanks for this whatever. Whatever, man. Again, it's for the people. They've got to get in there, and ultimately, just the way we, just the way we play is that they're gifting each other, like a you are, you are situation, so that we're taking care of one another. Because we also play for the philosophy that the that the person on stage with you is a rock star and that you're there to support them. And if they're playing that way, then both of you feel really supported. So, um, and that we can get into like also how you can support yourself, but that's a whole nother podcast. But, but ultimately this team is playing from that same philosophy. So if that first scene is really murky, it's going to get hard to make an initiation or tag out. So my notes become, okay, this scene is not, this is, especially if it's the first scene out and it's not strong, the person tagging in has to decide what that person's game feels or looks like to them and then just initiate it super clear. So if, like, if you think they're playing jealousy, then go in and be like, Roger, I know you're the jealous guy, you know, or something, like, that's so on the nose. It sounds terrible, like, out of context. So that... The the scene partner is like, oh, that's how they saw my game, and now I'm going to yes and that. Um, I like. I think they call it like putting a flag on it at UCB. Like we're going to put a marker in the ground. That's like, yo, everybody, pay attention. This is the game. This is the thing we're playing with. Um, when we talk about it in my team, we talk about. Uh, being somebody's number two. If you look at somebody in the scene and it looks like they're telling you what their thing is, like they're obsessing about something or they had an interesting attitude, you try to back them up with additional details and really like point a finger at it and say, this is the thing for this guy. Look what he's doing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the other thing, uh, so something that, um, was it Josh Nichols who was talking about this was saying how, like, what can I bring in with me? That'll be, or maybe it was Woody. It might've been Woody when he was here for the festival. Like what's really fun for me to bring in to, you know, either fuck with or help support what this character is already doing. Right. So like thinking about that. So, uh, so let's say the games are very clear, then the initiation becomes much easier. So now you have to start thinking about, I think of it in terms of, if you're going to really boil down homework and play. So if we're seeing them in a home environment, let's not see them in the home environment again. What's work like for them? What's their social life like for them? Okay, great. Now that you thought about that, start to think about like the environment and uh, surrounding it so that you can come in with something that's super clear, you know, uh, again, 
great, great example. Look, Mr. Johnson, here at the office, you know, like it's that. <laughs> Again, I am a master of my craft. <laughs> I have this uh, uh, theory that like those kinds of initiations, the more you, the more you like lean on it and say it super clear like that, the more it sort of feels, um, I, th- I think it's like, it's always better to just get it out there, right. To, to do that, like as your boss kind of initiation, but I, I, I struggle a little bit. So like, but I think students and performers alike, we all kind of feel like, Oh God, this just sounds so bullshit when I say that. And so like getting, um, <clears throat> getting people the permission to do that, but ultimately know that like we're striving to deliver that in a way that feels more natural. Um, I have lots of tricks from years of doing an Armando show for like getting out the context as well as I can. And in a way that sounds honest, um, it's cause you're like sort of writing it. If you, if you like one of the simplest little tweaks that I've noticed is when people want to be like, as your therapist, like it, no one says that, but people do occasionally, if this situation warrants it, say things like Brian, I'm your therapist and I'm here to help you. Right. And you can make it sound so much more natural and on the on the uh, still on the nose, right? So you don't have to be like uh, here at da 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 as your boss. You'd be like, look, thanks for coming into my office. You know that as part of my job is to give you a yearly evaluation, right? Like, yeah, like your boss would probably say that. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, students especially. It's I first like that whole don't play coy, right? So it's drilling. Be clear, be clear, be clear. And then how do we make it more finessed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because it's like definitely worse when people don't say it. <laughs> well, right. Especially if you're playing off of like, I'm here to support you. You're here to support me. And I just want to do what you want me to do. And I don't want to fuck up your idea, but I don't know what you want me to do. So now we're all both. And I don't know who you are. And now this scene has gone to hell. <laughs> and so, so we had a player who... Uh, and he's gotten much better because initiations was one of those things that we were working on. He would come in. So if this is me coming into you, I tag in, you and I make eye contact. And he would sit like that. And then, and then he would say a few things and you're like, I don't, what? Like, where's that? And so I will stop this as the coach. I'll stop the scene and be like, great. So what, what are you trying to get out? And what he would say was so clear. I was like, why can't you just come in and say that? (laughs) Oh, because I was trying to, like, give, you know, some tension. No, don't give tension at the very beginning of the scene. You got to get the scene going or keep it going. You haven't earned tension. There's no there's no tension in that. The tension comes because we know what's going on and it's tense. (laughs) I I mean, we teach we teach Armando style premise in our 301 class. We didn't for years, and then I just got sick of the fact that everyone was doing it anyway. And I was like, well, there's got to be something interesting we can teach people. Uh, and I, I think it, it helps a lot with tag outs. It helps a lot with second beat initiations, third beat initiations, too, to understand, like, I have to be clear and not make assumptions about what other people know or don't know. Um, whether whether you're referencing information that came from an interview or a monologue or a living room, whether you're in referencing a scene that happened before, like you have to make it clear to people what you're trying to get out there. I had a, I had a really bad callback tag on Friday night in my show where 
um, I had referenced a scene that had happened earlier and like no one got it because I just didn't use any of the magic words that made it clear what I was talking about. I didn't say game show, which was what had happened in the previous scene. I said our show. And it was just like missing that one word that made the audience laugh. And then two lines later, I referenced something else from the scene and you could like hear people go, oh, right. It's like not really the reaction I'm looking for from my audience, but yeah, I will every now and then I'll come into something and I'm like, oh, I'm coming in as a completely different character, but I was literally just on stage. This needs to happen. No one's making the move. So I make it. So every now and then I'll come in. I'll be like, hey, I'm not that other guy. (laughs) It's completely breaking. (laughs) It's completely breaking every rule of improv. But I'm like, no one's making this move. So let me go make this move. I think that edits also, and 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 I mean the timing of the edits are super important. But I also think that's a discussion with each team individually. So uh, do you want every scene to be 15 seconds or are you cool with like a big laugh and then the scene's still going on? That's another great thing about the slacker is that there's so much room for texture in the show based on the changes in energy, the changes in scene length, the changes in emotion, like from one to the next. Uh, maybe not so much, you know, if we if we hit a good tag run with one character and we do three or five scenes in a row, they're short and punchy. Like the next thing really has to be like, OK, great. We saw this person, you know, at the grocery store and with their lawyer and uh, with their husband and with their a sound technician and then it's like now it's got to be about the sound technician and we want to hit that moment um i need a name for this maybe, maybe you're uh, aware of this too where like you're in a tag run in a slacker and suddenly you have to bring it back down to sort of first beat energy again where the scene can be a little more patient and we can learn something about someone new yeah i don't have a name for that but i we absolutely talk about it uh in my team because well one i try to really teach people Our curriculum tries to teach people, and it's something we talk about a lot, like, yes, you need to have – you need to be aware of tag-out runs, and there's always – especially in long form, you you really want those tag-out runs, but you also always have to assume when you go to do that tag-out that even though you think it's a quick bit, you're not getting tagged out, right? Like, you have to play and edit fast but assume that you're getting stuck in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, You get – you get like a couple lines during which you can sort of be playing like this is the heightened moment of this tag run and I am not expecting to get tagged out. But then like being able to recognize the moment when that energy drops and you're no longer in that heightened state uh, or, or like, I don't know, maybe you can in some cases hold that energy for a very long time. You know, there can be scenes that are real high energy for a long time, but most of the time, like our natural inclination is to, push the energy real hard and then have it plateau or fall. Right. And then sweep at it, right? Or something out of it. And we can't do that. No. We need to now, I like to think of it as returning to first beat energy. And that's, so what we've been working on in practice is if you're that third person, do your quick thing and then bring it back to let's learn about this person now who's bringing that in so that we can swing the door the other way because I'm tired of seeing this, this other 
character, or I want to hold on to that character so that we can call that back later. Nick Armstrong has that cool saying from King Ten of uh, never playing service characters. That even if you come in to play the you know the auto mechanic because this person has a crazy car. Like you have to play that auto mechanic. Like they have an inner life. Like they are a character that we could f- call attention to and play with. There has to be value in every character, and and every character can find their thing that makes them the star of the show. All of a sudden, right? And there's ways to do that too, right? So then it's encouraging the team to not panic and remember that they have all the skills. And in our case, great. So that's going back to like what's in your environment that helps you funnel through your character. What does the way you choose something say about your partner? Make an I statement. You know, I'm the kind of person who, or you probably want me to. All of those kind of tools will help you figure out, like, I'm in this. This is who I am. And then making those quick decisions, like so like the heaven or hell. Um, yeah, Josh Nichols has says, are you in or are you out? So it's also for your character. Great. So you made that thing. It laughed. And now you're, you're in the scene. Now your partner said something. Are you in or are you out about it? Because that'll also help you inform your character real quickly. And then ideally, your scene partner takes a look at you and assesses what you're giving off and says, oh, you're so blah, 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 and feeds you information. Yeah. Um, I, li- I like to think of it as when I'm on stage and I find something interesting about my character, right? Uh, I am telling my team, if you fuck with this, you will get good results. If you come after me about this thing, I will react. It is now my job to care about this thing. And that means you're safe to make a tag out and it makes your job easier. My job. So if someone says to me, you have a problem with authority, my job is just to prove that also. Right. So I want to prove that with everything I interact with. But I also want to prove that with you coming in. So bring something in for me. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we've been working on like. Okay, just make the assumption that third person is going to bring that energy back down and we're going to sort of slow it down again and and build our way back up because there are bursts in slacker. Right. There's a lot of this up and down, up and down, which which is good because what can happen easily in slacker is it can just go up and, and it can just be such short scenes that the complaint I would get in the beginning is this form is so fast I don't know how to keep up. And I'm like, make your scenes longer. Like, I, I have this problem with Armando shows, too, is that, um, and I think it's because of that similar tag to premise energy, right? Where when you have the excuse to just make every scene start with a really big laugh and then move on very quickly, you run out of steam uh, super fast. And even worse than an Armando, because you run out of ideas to generate scenes from. It's So it's that constant, like... Uh, sustainability of scenes. So something we do in rehearsals is uh, two people up, you're in here for 15 minutes and there's no side support and there's going to be no tag outs, right? You're just essentially doing a mono scene for 15 minutes. Live in that. And this goes back to my like French braid example from my old days where like, I actually think people crave that. They want that. They want to be able to do that. They don't necessarily know how to do it yet, but like, I'm still learning that. I've been doing, uh, uh, what, how do you get people instead to, as a team decide, we can put the brakes on for a moment here in this set because we like what that does to the piece as a whole. I, I think that falls a lot into my lap as the coach of saying from the outside, Hey guys, here's what I'm seeing. 
uh, I want you to push for some longer scenes. So here's what we'll do. And then, so, okay, each scene has to be a minimum of three minutes. I'll call time. You can do what you, you know, you can do walk-ons and you can uh, do side support in terms of painting, but let's make each scene three minutes and then I'll call scene and you can then decide the tag out. And then we, I think we just, we stop, we deconstruct, we talk about what works, where they felt they started to panic, what length feels right. Um, and then, and then I'll vary it with them. I'll be like, okay, great. So I'm just going to call scene and then you move in. So just like you do with that fishbowl edit, I'm calling it a fishbowl edit now, uh, that exercise, um, they're making the choices, but I'm just telling them the time of it, right? Or put a timer on or something. So, uh, and maybe they don't know. Maybe I'm like 30 seconds for this scene, one minute for this scene, three minutes, so that it is varied, so that they can then also feel it versus a really quick slacker, so that they can have that discussion. I think if they don't have a point of reference, then they can't make active decisions about it as a team. I think I can't remember what coach it was that was doing this with my team years ago, but they were pulling out essentially that fishbowl style, the length of the time of the scene, but they weren't telling us. So we're going up there to do a scene and it might be five seconds and it might be five minutes. It could be, you know, a number of values in between, but like you're, you, you, it helps to simulate the fact that you don't know when you're, what your team is going to think from the sidelines about how long this show, this scene's going to be. There's a, there's a, a short form game. I can't remember the name of it is essentially scenes can be 10 seconds, 30 seconds or a minute. And it's up to the tech to pull it. And I like to take short form games from time to time and put a long form sensibility on it, if you will. Thanks, Paul Valencourt. And so I think it's one of those things where like we take this short form game, if you will, and we apply it to our slacker so that our teams can decide what feels right for them. I also think my job as a coach, though, is to watch them in different variations and be like, oh, they excel when they're doing varied this way versus uh, varied this way. Um, that's part of my job is to see that big picture because they may not be able to come to it on their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one hopes that they will eventually. <laughs> that's the goal. Well, right. Like they'll find that. But but I think they have to they have to hone their internal clock. So my my personal team has been doing nothing but Harold for three years straight. We have a really good internal clock. And so when we play at home, um, we know we could go up to 40, 45 minutes if we need to. Not a problem. We just On a Herald? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's like old school Damn. it's old school IO. <laughs> like we can we can do that and and we can make it sustainable and the audience enjoys it. We run about thirty five to forty minutes, but when we go to a festival situation, we have 15 to 20 minutes, right? So we know what, like, the best of uh, the highlights of what our team's really good at. So we push to hit that. But that's taking years of working together and figuring that out. So I think that's something that a team absolutely has to be aware of, but they sometimes need guidance uh, along the way to even be open and receptive to thinking about it to begin with. The other thing is that I don't like, because uh, I have a couple that are clock watchers of like, oh, we get up to 20 minutes and then they start thinking the minute the clock goes about like how they're going to wrap the whole thing up. Yeah, uh, that can be a challenge. <laughs> so one of the things I'll, and the other thing people have developed some habits on are 
this scene feels like it's over, so my cadence is going to signal that I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like you hear people say a line in like a, a comedy delivery <laughs> to try to get that scene to end. Oh, I once I once watched a short form show. I won't say who they were or where they were, uh, but the the you could tell that the guy on stage who had hosted the show and was probably the senior dude did not like or did not trust his tech because he would do that kind of thing. He would do that kind of delivery and expect the scene to end and it wouldn't. And he literally on at least one occasion looked straight at the tech and did like a across the neck cut gesture <laughs> and then the lights got pulled and it was like, Oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> so now they have to learn to edit on the right moment for tag out edits, right? And so the moment they hesitate, you know, that that can throw everything off. And so we we have this very simple exercise where two people are in a scene and instead of them physically doing it, if someone sees the edit, they just say edit. And then we stop and say who else saw it. Or someone can say add. And then we ask them, what are you thinking about adding? Because I have a lot of people who Oh, like like a you mean like to do side sport, to walk in or to do some other move? Okay. Yes, right. So like they're like, this scene was, you know, not doing so good, so I thought I'd bring in this element. Oh good, a failing scene needs yet another element. <laughs> How about you just push this scene aside? So so we talk a lot about whether you should add or you should edit. And then I land up with a lot of course correction because then they get really excited about, oh, I can add to a scene. And then they're adding too much, right? I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody described uh, how walk-ons to establish context are, are pity support, where it's like, this scene is this scene just needs context. You never said anything. So someone comes in and goes, uh, your table will be ready in just a minute, and then leaves. And like... If, if your team does that to you, know that they're doing it because they're your friend, but also, like, you should feel kind of bad. Right. You did not establish your environment and activity. Like, that's an essential – you are – we call it the encounter chamber where two people walk in and they're just looking at each other and they're talking. I, uh, Jill Bernard calls it 11s. <laughs> just They look like an 11 on stage. So what do you do about – because I'm very much right now on a – theme kick because our heralds at this point are thematic heralds <laughs> um when you say that what do you mean because i've heard a couple different definitions we're trying to play off of a larger theme and that's how we funnel things whether or not it happens like if it doesn't happen it doesn't throw us off our game we'll still do like it's very much like what is the form calling for for tonight but for me that thematic herald is a more uh finesse advanced herald so for example uh you do your opening and you get your ideas and then you have one a b and c and based on what you are seeing in one a or b or c your first game will nail down your theme through however whatever organic game you create and you're basically saying to each other so whoever basically first says this is what i see the rest of the team is like, ah, we get it. We're now, we're now going to do everything through the lens of life is always in balance. And that can mean a variety of different things coming off the characters that have been established. So for that, for us, that's a thematic herald. Okay, yeah. I, th I think I do, I do a, so we talk about theme in Herald, but we really mostly talk about it in terms of the opening. I think it was Matt Higby at IO who said like, 
the opening is the only part of the Herald where you know what you're trying to do and it's find out what the theme for this show is. And then you initiate your scenes. Uh, uh, I say don't initiate your scenes based on any specifics from the opening. Instead, know what the theme was and initiate scenes that have a relationship with that theme. We try to do that. The problem is if you're coming off and you not always on the same page because it wasn't super clear in your opening. And that's why our game really firms it up. So just in case we like someone saw something completely different, all of a sudden we're like, oh, they're playing off of that. We better get on that board, you know, get on that train real quick and support that. So we try to get that from their opening and then we try to put it into each of the scenes. Um, it's hit or miss. But I think that theme can also be served in Slacker. Yeah. So I think like I think that's uh, one thing I liked is how oh, I can't remember who said this to me, but like you don't really know what the theme of the show was until it's over. Right. It's Bill Arnett, I think. That would make sense. Um, I find myself quoting him more often than not. It's nice if your team is trying to play off the same thing. So but I think with Slacker, it becomes a little different because we don't have an ideation in an opening. So now our themes. So because. The way we do Slacker, we do have some of that opening with the A, B, A, C, B, A, B, B, D kind of thing. We can try to look. It also forces them to establish and not go too fast too soon. Um, we can try to establish some thematic elements that they can think about bringing in since we're not really bringing characters back until very later on. Um, so that there's some thematic elements playing through the whole the whole thing so i haven't really talked about theme in slacker i i tend to think like there's got to be something that unites a show together and for me in the slacker that's not that hasn't ever been theme it's been more the texture and the reincorporation and by texture i mean like the length and variation in the kinds of scenes and by reincorporation obviously like i do want to see those characters come back i want everybody to like look at the set after about the 10 minute mark as a, a set of things, I have a set of tools and it's the characters I've played so far. And I may need to drop back into any of these scenes using one of those characters that I've already established as soon as I find like a connection. Are they doing 20 minute sets? Yeah, 2025. So yeah, I agree. Like that halfway mark is when we can start to see some of these guys coming back. I also look at the reincorporation part, if you will, of like maybe some runners that popped up, right? That can be fun to pop those up. And also uh, objects or locations can have some fun callback playing with. Something I tell people when I teach third beats in the Herald is that one of the easiest ways to draw a connection is to take a specific from one scene and a character from another and mash them up, even if you can't find a way for two characters to make sense together. We want to start looking at that, and I think we want to start looking at that in, in Slacker as well, because... Again, at the surface of it, it doesn't have to have that, and it can entertain an audience. But I think that a team that really wants to become layered and finesse, they're going to want to start looking at that. Well, you, like, you never want a show that's just a series of disconnected scenes. Right. Well, you'd, hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, unless you're the theater I first performed at. <laughs> you're doing we have a lot of people around here who claim they do long form and that's exactly what they're doing and they're not like they're not like systemically wrong it's just like a not a satisfying show for an audience that's what i was just gonna say like i don't leave feeling satisfied yeah rachel hamilton 
Second City Education Director for Improv there talked to us about how heightening in a scene and a continued up and to the right kind of energy sweep along a scene means that you can edit the scene anytime you want and it feels as though the scene went somewhere and progressed. If you drop the energy, you have to you can't edit now because you've you've lost what allows us to have the feeling of a narrative, a feeling of progression. That makes sense. So but I think all of those things come down to the right people performing with the form that fits their personalities the best. So I ha- so I have found that people who uh, play with a little bit I don't want to I'm not sure how to say it because I don't want to be like you low energy like they have a little bit more I don't know if it's like high energy or just intent in what they do. If that I think it might just be intent in how they play because you can be a very low energy character and still have intent. So so there there are players who understand that there's always intention behind the character. There are players who have a pretty good eye for editing. And I really need a bunch of risk takers on a slacker. Um, yeah, like I, you were talking earlier about the at home, at work, at play thing, and I think that's like a nice training wheels. But when you when you really get down to it, like the the moves, the tags, the edits need to surprise us more often than not. And and like that's that's a nice framework, but it doesn't get to the core of like. Also, I want the move you make when you tag in to be like delightful for this character to surprise us in like terms of okay we know that this character's thing is like they uh they're totally into fruit way too into fruit and like i i i I can keep going like here's a scene with a watermelon here's a scene at a fruit stand here's a scene at the farm but if i then like jump to a scene of you know buying fruit of the loom underwear like that's going to surprise the audience in a way that we need so that's to me, the diff like so for me like that whole work home play is a great uh, tool in the toolbox when I'm feeling like I've got nothing and I'm super lost, or I'm just learning and I need some things to grab onto in my scenes. Right, the whole like going taking that leap from fruit to fruit of the loom that's where that's pushing because to me slacker is all about expansion, right? Because if slacker is really a second like if slacker at the heart of it to me is like a second beat, I guess of a herald, right? Like if you take out second beat of herald, mostly slacker, right? For me second so for me second beats are all about expansions of world and pushing those worlds as far as we can. So then that's teaching expansion of worlds. And I have not found any way to get around that other than like sometimes being like, good, let's stop a seat and talk about how we push this out. Yeah. Cause I mean, like it's that kind of move um, I, is definitely, we've changed something. So probably it's the end of that tag run, but it's also an opportunity to like, to like, I don't know, maybe now we want to see a run of scenes where it's like every other thing that has the word fruit in it, but is not fruit. And is that person going to be into that or upset about that? I don't know. (laughs) We're going to find out. Right. Because now we're going to find another layer about that person. Like, are they into organic real fruit or are they into like artificial uh, creative, you know, man made? And then we can and then if we really want to start pulling. So now you're looking at organic and artificial right so now if you want to push even further you know um nurture or nature 
right? So the scene's coming in. So now you can keep, for me, that's like, great, let's keep pushing that out. So I may want to come in and play something about nurture or nature, but I haven't found a way other than like talking about it to really teach someone how to start thinking that way. Another, yeah, I think um, it's it only comes out through examples, I think. I haven't found any like, here's a a laboratory condition and a set of exercises go. I do a lot of A to C stuff. Um, there's this exercise that I really like where first I have everybody stand in a circle and we do just straight word association. I say a word, you say the next word, go around the circle three or four times. Great. Now what's going to happen is I'm going to say a word and then the person next to me is going to say, is going to name a category that that word belongs in. Right. So I say dog and they say pets. And the next person is going to say another word that belongs in that category. So they'll say hamster. And then the fourth person now has to say a different category that hamster belongs in. So they'll say rodents. And the next person will say rat. And the next person will say a category for rat. And it might be like stuff that lives in the sewers. And the next person will say uh, lizard people, you know, and like we're going category word, category word, trying to always like twist the meaning and get people to think like not linearly, but like, where else can this take me? What, what other associations do I have? Um, I think that's a good way to, well, then the last round is that you just take out the category thing and you try to think in that mode as much as possible. Have you done the clover leaf like opening where you get one? Yeah. So I think that's also like one way to also do that. Right. So if you get the word tape, and someone's like VCR, and then you come back and you're like tape, and then you start office supplies. So it starts making them think in like. One thing I like about that is that a team that's really good at it knows that they're never more than two or three words away from getting back to the first word. You can start to look for what's the what's the thing I can say now that's going to push us back there almost immediately. It's a it's a ruse if you really know what you're doing. We're only doing it because we're having fun following the word association and I can get back to tape anytime I want. Long form for me is very much, I mean, you know, unless you're doing a specific narrative structure is, is never an A to C or A to B. Uh, it's never an A to B process. And that's where the fun comes of like pushing your brain out. So what, uh, to what do you have? Do you have like goals for your team right now? No, I, I think it's I think it's a it's a very solid team. They're doing a really good show. They're all really talented. I think they're finally starting to gel. This is a team I created from an audition. So ninety odd people auditioned for ten possible seats in this team, uh, which is just absurd. I had to say no to a lot of good friends. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 the team is still like gelling. It's been eight months, 